Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Crafts Revival Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kurt. <laughs> and I'm your host, Mike. You're, that intro didn't sound as strong as mine. <laughs> yeah, I guess it not. was shaky. I know. Yeah, it's my first time, bro. <laughs> it's always shaky your first time. Yeah, it's always shaky. <laughs> oh, man. My brain's going in a different direction than it should be gone. We got to keep this professional. We got to. So this has been a while since we've done this podcast. I think after the Vegas stuff, we talked about it. And we oh, were yeah. Gonna, we we're going to do a podcast right after, but we wanted it to, to kind of like the dust to settle and just kind of figure out by talking to people about what, maybe how we could yeah. improve lessons learned that were yep. coming out of it. And so we could uh, give some good feedback. I don't know, man. There's a bunch of trash on social media. There's all kinds of different opinions. We were fortunate to be able to talk to some of the first responders that were actually on scene uh, right after the shooting. Um, and so, you know, what we try to do from from uh, our standpoint is actually give you uh, relevant information and takeaways um, to increase your potential for survival survivability. So, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we do free of charge. That's kind of like our context or, yeah, you know, that's what we, it's what we do. That's how we roll. <laughs> you know, this episode we're doing modern survival because I think it's important to kind of like define what modern survival is and the new age of survival, anything. Cause yeah, you know, survival, like we've talked before, has a negative, you know, association to well, prepping. Yeah. and It has like this weird, like when you think about, well, we we define modern survival, you know, as everything that includes, you know, firearms training, outdoor training, med. if you will, med, uh, vehicle training, all the different things that we got to experience in special operations. And so I think a negative uh, look on it is like you get people that are kind of crazy and prepper-ish, if you will. Uh, which, you know, I think today's day and age, I mean, all these active shooter scenarios and different things that we're seeing, you know, you'd be silly to not be trying to train and, and to protect yourself and your family. So, which is, you know, th which is good. That's, uh, and that that's is, modern survival, that's modern survival, yeah, right? To, us. <clears throat> to be, to be prepared mentally and physically, which includes the skill sets, you know, which is kind of Phil Kraft's mission set, which is to, to teach every person in society yeah uh, how to better protect themselves and their families with knowledge right knowledge is power um i didn't make that up i think <laughs> we've always heard that. Yeah. Did that. Yeah. um so yeah we hope you guys enjoy this episode because uh you know modern survival is everything that we need to do as human beings now in today's age which is every age in, in civilization yeah you know things are happening like vegas this shit happens all the Crazy time. Crazy shit. Crazy shit. Yeah. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So active shooter, we had a podcast. You um, did a podcast, right? Yeah, I did it with yeah. mentors for military. And it was cool because it was our take on active shooter. And I used to teach that in uh, California. And it was good, you know, putting civilians through any kind of formal training on how to deal with that kind of stuff is uh, really good to, to learn from my perspective because you, you see a lot about behavior and different backgrounds and people's mindset. And so we did that for a period of time and that led to kind of like that episode about how we look at it and analyze it. We, right. use, we use a set of acronyms and stuff to teach people, but it became obviously more inherently important during this Vegas deal. And so I know you, you we were talking about it this morning about 
Dan Bazarian. I can't. I don't even know. Oh God, Dan. Are we going to talk about this shit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it's relevant because. Let me know. just say one thing before we yeah. go into this. I just want everybody to know that Fieldcraft Survival will typically stay above all the banter on social media for exactly why in the intro of this podcast, this episode, we told you what our mission statement is. I want to say before we talk about this that I think that these stupid little spats that go on on social media after an event like the you know the shooter in Las Vegas or the shootings in Las Vegas uh, takes away from what we should really be doing right now, which is actually focusing on the victims, their families, and and then extracting good data from you know what took place there so we can actually have lessons learned so we can teach people right because that's all we care about uh one the victims obviously that was a terrible deal their families uh obviously we feel we're super saddened by that whole thing and uh and then how to combat these crazy fucks uh that want to do max damage to a bunch of innocent people yeah so I had to preface that with no. I think <laughs> it makes sense. Whole... I mean, honestly, the, there's a time and place for everything, and I think the timing. I mean, I don't think there's any good timing for acting for, for jackassery, right? Especially when it comes to something like well, a tragedy. Is, yeah, but I mean, it's social media, whatever. People people do stupid shit, and so uh, the big beef I had was, you know, I think there's a, a spin of misinformation on social media on people who are armchair quarterbacking the oh, situation. Yeah. The only problem I have is with that misinformation comes, you know, a lot of miseducation. That's not education at all. Right. Of people looking at certain situations and going, that's what right looks like. Right. When the actuality is that's not what right looks like at all. Yeah. Like the expectation that you're doing a fucking infantry battle drill in combat because you have all your equipment and you're with an infantry squad and you're reacting to contact and you're doing all this stuff. Completely different situation. Yeah, you know, we we talked about the, and you know, we'll just address this. I, we won't get to too much of it because it's stupid and a waste of fucking time. Yeah, a waste of time <laughs> as well. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Some things that are fun are a waste of time, though. Mike looked at me and smiled right now. I was like, "This is kind of fun." Yeah. I'm gonna jump in and get my two. Yeah. Cents. Well, the video of Dan, I don't even fucking can't pronounce. That's how much I don't give a shit about this dude. Yeah. Um, not that I don't care about him I, as a human being. I just don't care about the politics involved in it. But anyways, the dude's running away and people are criticizing him from running away. Right. And our perspective is... We teach people to get off the X. You get off the X, Period. right? The yeah. dude didn't have a gun. Yeah. The dude had minimal skills. You know, he, he could shoot on a flat range. Yeah. He was almost a SEAL once, so... He was almost a SEAL <laughs> once. Sorry I had to. Which, man. I mean, good for him for, you know, yeah. just trying. We actually talked about that. Like, irregardless, I think the guy still served in the Navy and he's a fucking veteran. Like, yeah. I don't know. The Haters going to make. Yeah. Anyways, well, the thing is, you know, we teach this acronym OFF, which is observe, flee, and fight, or fight, which is, you know, conversely, you could use fight and flee or flee and fight because it, it, it depends on the priority. It depends on... The, the variable, yeah, you know, the situation where you are in relation to the uh, Vegas shooter. And the big lesson learned is, you know, you had a shooter who's in an elevated position, elevated position, you know, thanks to, to Lucas, who did some analysis on it. You know, he's the 32nd floor, hundreds of meters high. And he's like, you know, I think it was like 1300, 12, 1300 Something feet like shooting down into a parade field, essentially. And he's trying to kill as many people as he can. So 
In that situation, that's what we call a reactive contact, which is, you know, FM 7-8 standard battle drill, which would be, uh, you know, a fire maneuver battle drill. In that situation where you're taking overwhelming fire, yeah. what we've learned in the infantry, which is a basic battle drill, is break contact. Seat cover. Yeah. Seat cover. You, obviously, you're going to take the return fire part out of it, right? Yep. So we're seeking cover. Right. And then, you know, which a lot of people did. You which see I, the I honestly, yeah. And I think the acronym off here applies, right? You're observing what's happening. We're yep. getting shot at from somewhere. Yep. I find the nearest unknown. piece of cover. Yeah. And then I get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, what, what did disturb me about the video is seeing people, you know, who smartly on the initial onslaught, because they didn't know where it was coming from. Right. They, they, they do what we do in the infantry or special operations. They move to cover and concealment they, they get down to, yeah. and they try to protect themselves right or the people they're with or the pet people they're with but then in in the laws or or after observing and identifying they maintain because there's no cover and concealment in the open right. it was shitty and then we understand because we we train this that when there's no cover and concealment speed is security Absolutely. which is what we talk yeah. about getting off the x right and uh a lot of people fail to do that which you know, they made it through the first onslaught. I think this thing lasted 10 to 15 minutes. They, some of them still maintain the same position and winded up getting, becoming a casualty on an, in an open parade field. Right. Um, some of the people that you saw continued movement, which we teach in the shooter. Right. Um, until you would put as many obstacles in between you and the bad guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Hey, we're not, you know, armchair quarterbacking, um, what, you know, innocent men and women did. I mean, realizing that, you know, in a situation like that, hey, Mike and I have a lot of years of training that, and we've been shot at before and shot back. So we understand uh, a situation like that. But, you know, the scary thing is, is that, and the reason why we're addressing this is we feel like in modern survival, um, hey, this isn't the first time that the active shooter stuff has been going on. And uh, everybody has the right to know uh, like Mike said, you know, knowledge is power. So you have the right to understand what to do, how to protect yourself and your family. And so, you know, that's why we've really tried to to pick the Vegas shooting apart uh, is to help you out. So, yeah, just going into that, you did what we did do is we got reached out by a lot of. In fact, the first one was a police officer who actually trained with us before. Yeah, he's on Metro PD for Vegas. I for Vegas. Yeah, he made entry into the target and actually there's a uh, i think a 60 minutes episode that he posted up about that's going to talk about the guys who made entry and like, really yeah it's, okay. i think it's tonight okay. which i hope you guys get this episode by today if not just look it up i think it's 60 minutes has online stuff but it uh, talks about everything and how it played out and then uh his entry but a lot of people reached out to us including you talked to an emt paramedic that's right that had some lessons learned and, and you, you, you converse with them on the phone, right? Yeah, I did. I spent probably a good, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes uh, talking to one of the EMTs that was on scene uh, that evening. And he arrived, he was actually at the hospital uh, when they got the call, they started getting 911 calls and uh, people were describing what was happening um, at the festival, at the country music festival. And he showed up roughly about 30 minutes after the shooting started. So I think it lasted, you know, like Mike said, 10 to 12 to 15 minutes. And uh, he arrived, you know, shortly after that uh, to help take care of people. 
um, some of the the different things. And I, you know, I tried to pick his brain and listen to his story and and understand, you know, what was going on. That way, we could have good feedback for uh, everybody that listens to our podcast. And a few things that he talked about were, you know, basically, hey, the need to know basic T triple C stuff, right? So. Um, tactical combat casualty right, care right? right trauma yeah trauma stuff so you know big one obviously right off the bat stopping bleeding so a lot of people were obviously suffering from gunshot wounds and there was a lot of bleeding so you know talking about tourniquets one of the things that he that he talked about was obviously knowing how to use a tourniquet if you're carrying one um, or if if someone has one nearby like knowing how and where to apply the tourniquet properly um, and then the other thing that he talked about was understanding how to make a makeshift tourniquet, right? Which takes me back to the old days of cravats and sticks. Yeah, cravats and sticks. If you don't know what a cravat is, basically it's a handkerchief. Bandana. You know, but it, yeah, it's a bandana, a handkerchief or something that is OD green that they package in the military. And we They're used actually to... interminimalist survival kits. Both right. Yeah. yeah. So the you know, what he described was basically understanding how to apply a makeshift tourniquet because, you know, a great example is all those people, you know, that went to have a good time and then tragedy strikes. And um, he said, you know, he saw everything from people trying to use belts to, you know, rags and T-shirts and anything they can make, which obviously is smart and thinking on the fly, uh, but understanding how a tourniquet actually works and that, when you use a stick or something to that effect that you tie into that cravat, place it high, you know, above the wound um, is, is actually understanding that it applies pressure to stop the bleeding, right? Or it actually cuts off uh, the ability for blood to flow down to the wound, you know, thus obviously stopping the bleeding and then the person that you're treating doesn't bleed out. So a um, couple other takeaways that he had, uh, one of them was don't be that fucking person that has your cell phone out while first responders are actually trying to get to uh, triage sites and things like that. Getting in the way. Yeah, exactly. So the one thing that he described, uh, you know, was just uh, average folks out there filming and doing stuff like that. He's in his ambulance and they're literally, so the way this was set up is um, Vegas Fire Department, super squared away. Obviously they've trained before for a mass casualty situation. And they actually had uh, points set up for triage uh, off of where the actual shooting occurred and that people were being taken to those uh, points. They were being triaged by volunteers, nurses, doctors, people that were there. And then they were, you know, obviously doing the big stuff like stopping bleeding and things like that. And then they were prepping people for transport to the trauma centers that obviously uh, you know, didn't make it there in the back of a truck or on an ambulance or whatever. So another takeaway from him was like, Hey, get the fuck out of the way. Like if you're not actively involved in helping treat somebody or do something like that, uh, where you're, where you're helping get out of the way and let the first responders do their job. So, you know, which is a big issue that the social media was bringing up, right? Where people, you know, it's like, there's a time and place, man. And I don't care what your status is. Just like I know as even as like a green beret. Yeah. We're in the middle of this concert. We're breaking contact because we're getting our families off the X, mm -hmm. but we're not going back. Depending on the situation, we're not going back unarmed. Yeah. Trying to <laughs> disarm cops. <laughs> hey, bro, give me your fucking gun. Like, yeah, I don't know who you are. And yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, uh, the whole thing was an absolute mess. Like again, yeah. uh, we're, we're trying to stay above the petty bullshit on social media. Cause it's a fucking waste of time.
Are you telling me that what I'm saying is a fake? Oh, I, I'm, I think I'm passionate. Because I want to go down a rabbit hole a little bit, <laughs> but okay. I just, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, no, I, you're right. Yeah, I, I look at this stuff and I, I think... It's comical. It, it is comical, but again, I think that it's distracting from uh, the real lessons learned and, and then actually like, you know, doing something for the people that were injured and killed and their how families. Do we get, how do we get better? Yeah. How do we better as a society... Yeah. How don't do we... get me wrong it's fucking entertaining yeah you know what i mean because you know who doesn't like to watch... oh i know you show me yeah. at the gym all the time <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously so uh one of the other things uh you know that i'll throw in there um because i really did try to pick this guy's brain just to, with everything that went on so they transported three casualties that night and um you know as described in the news, there was a certain uh, hospital that had the trauma capability to deal with all those folks. And there was another hospital uh, co-located in Vegas that didn't have, I think, the same trauma capability. Uh, but obviously, you know, tons of people are getting dropped off at the ER. And I said, you know, hey, the one big takeaway that we could give our listeners, uh, what do you think it would be? And, uh, you know, when you think about this on a- You call, asked him that? I did. Oh, cool. And so um, the common sense thing here is train for something like that to happen and train and do medical training. You know, it's not good enough in the modern survival genre to just train your, you know, firearms for an active shooter or something to that effect. It's, hey, learn how to apply a tourniquet, um, you know, learn how to obviously stop bleeding, pack wounds, all the basic stuff that you can do. Um, to basically stop the clock, if you will, on somebody circling the drain. Um, so that way you can get them to a trauma center and then let the docs do what they do. So that's a real, I mean, we learned that on the battlefield, obviously, right. you know, we, every single one of us, our EDC or everyday carry well, actually, is an IFAC, right? You yeah. Well, what I was going to say also, just so people understand, um, it's a real basic principle, what we do learn in, in special operations. And it's basically you treat yourself uh until somebody else can get to you so if you're still conscious self-aid buddy aid. Self, exactly self-aid buddy aid and then Corbin, higher levels yeah. of of care and so and that's a great thing for civilians to understand is that hey not only do you need to understand how to apply a tourniquet uh or any kind of uh trauma care um to your buddy you need to know how to do it for yourself because if you're all by your fucking self and you get shot and left or whatever the situation is uh, and you're still conscious, you may be able to save, save your own life. We addressed it immediately by putting out a, because uh, we used to do it, and we included a a TCCC course that's going to be uh, in Burnett, Texas, December 3rd on a Sunday. That's right. To teach, you know, some components of active shooter. Right. Some principles in planning and uh, how to deal with the situation, stress mitigation, and most importantly, uh, TCCC, Technical right. Combat Casualty Care. Which includes includes a uh, an acronym called March, but the big focus is massive hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging, which is bleeding, right? Airway, uh, which is obviously your airway, and then respiration, uh, which are which are hugely important in addressing that. And then training that stuff is going to become, at least from our perspective, yeah, and how we uh, offensively tackle this as a business, but as uh, proponents of modern survival, is not just focused on gunfighting right yeah so you know there's a couple things that mike and i talk about not you know what is modern survival what do people consider or you know what do we consider what what's included in modern survival and i think 
obviously because of our backgrounds, the first thing we think is uh, firearms training. That is a no-brainer for us, right? If you're going to carry a firearm or you have one in the house, hey, you need to train with it, whether it's a pistol or a rifle. Obviously, uh, you know, we do that type of training as a business. Um, but I would encourage people that irregardless whether, you know, regardless if you take a class of ours or not, the bottom line is you need to train with that firearm. Um, and then obviously we just talked a ton about med stuff. So another part of modern survival is uh, medical training and uh, understanding, you know, tactical uh, combat casualty care, TCCC, as you so commonly hear it and see it on social media. Um, and then the other thing that we wanted to talk about, well, uh, and then a huge one really that goes in before all of that is planning. And then, a, you know, the biggest is your mindset. And it's actually um, something that, um, you know, I've heard talked about through other companies and our relationships with other guys that were, in, you know, in special operations, guys that are in, in now. And I think one of the most important things that you can identify is uh, actually walking your, yourself through different situations and understanding what you're uh, you know, basically willing to do and what you're not willing to do. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of that comes down to really having some internal, not discussion with yourself. You're talking to yourself. You might want to go see a doc, but, I do that all the time. but honestly, like, uh, but, but understanding like, you know, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And, and I think a good example of that is the video that we saw in um you know some of the video that we saw in vegas where people got off the x you know because that's the right thing to do so so you know some of that is <clears throat> when we break this down you know talking about um you know training and lessons learned some of it's just natural right survival instincts which include fight or flight which is a natural response to stress right is something that we naturally are capable of but the impedance of that natural flow is typically altered with shit, right? You know, and I, I think te immediately, I think technology, right? I think phones, right? I think of those dudes who were holding their phones up and more concerned about getting a cool video for their updates on social media than they are surviving, right? Which, Which is like, dude, yeah, we're who, fucked up. Who does that? <laughs> yeah, dude? who does that? I, I remember this social media thing that this chick got in a car accident with this, these uh, girls and they were filming oh, yeah, they did a yeah. she did a live feed talking about that. as her sister is dying of a head wound yeah. and she died and she's filming it like right after the act she literally rolled out of a car and the first thing she's thinking yeah is getting her phone out it's disgusting it's it's a sickness bro, it's sick dude it's an illness yeah. yeah it's an illness and you know what's crazy is the more and more i i get tied to social media the more and more I, I literally <laughs> the have more to, unhealthy we are. Yeah, the, <laughs> I literally have to stop and be yeah. like, I need to get the off my phone. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It's, it's fucking mind boggling. It's it's sickening, dude. Yeah, it's, it's sad. Let's break down some of the things that we talked about. You just mentioned a couple of them. Yeah, let's talk about tactical training first because yeah, we don't teach fundamentals of marksmanship too often. Maybe in our basic right. course, but we teach tactics in the realm of survival and how. Uh, we apply guns to gunfighting situations right. to save our lives. Yeah, I mean, and and the honest uh, part about all of that, I think, is that hey, we may only get six hours with a with a client on the range, and so we have, I think, created you know a POI that 
that help. I mean, period of instruction. Yeah, sorry, but we we teach and do a lot of different things based off of what we see going on in the class, and then recent lessons learned based based off of di different situations. But what we try to do is if I only have six hours with somebody, I want to make sure that if they leave and get into a gunfight, they're going to survive. So we try to take all that into account from, you know, basic distances of engagements happening for self-defense scenarios and all that stuff. And then, you know, teach people how to survive that gunfight. So, you know, our, our uh, depth of experience is all the way from, you know, fundamental marksmanship all the way through gunfighting and, and how all these different things apply. And so, when we look at running these courses, um, typically it's based off of surviving a gunfight. Like real scenarios we've been in or other right. people have been in. Exactly. That tie to, you know, an example of that would be, you know, alignment. You know, we teach alignment as a fundamental of gunfighting. And or I used to teach and always tell the story of the, the girls I used to teach. And, you know, you could take a little girl who doesn't have any experience with a firearm and she has basic eye-hand coordination right she doesn't have bad habits that are instilled and she's an open-minded yeah and so you could teach her specific fundamentals like pointing her finger at a target which is the natural instinct of a human being and if she had a gun in her hand she could hit that target right based off of certain distances yeah based off certain distances so we don't overcomplicate what people naturally do the problem that i see with tacticians doing is they're all trying to put their own spin on it right, right. they're all trying to create their you know proprietary spin on their branding and which transcends into typically bad habits right you know we talk the only reason i mentioned this because it drives me bananas but this fighting stance right i think maybe we were taught that in the beginning of special operations right in small unit tactics but if, if you have a pistol or a carbine even you don't have to do a lot of recall management i mean even even women at a you know a buck 20 don't really have to do a lot of recoil management. So there's not a requirement for you to get into a stance because if you take a shot, typically you're not going to stop to get in the stance. It's going to be whatever natural body position you're in. Right. And so we take that away and we teach people that, hey, when you shoot, you might have to shoot somebody from any position at all. So the translation in a practical exercise is training for every position. Right. And understanding that if the fundamental remains and it's what we call you know there's called this a, a kill box which is the replication of these fundamentals with your eyes your hand and the gun then you could be in any stance right and you know we make people shoot with one foot in the air just to prove the point that there's not a lot of recoil management and yeah. and a proper grip and and proper alignment you just need to hold the gun right and point it in the right direction and you're going to be set up don't get uber focused with this proprietary stance that people are teaching yeah so yeah we we just have the spin off into modern survival what about medical stuff because i know this is like becoming what's that becoming it always has been but it should be more important right yeah absolutely i mean uh you know great example is uh what we're getting ready to do in burnett texas mike already mentioned it and uh we're bringing out devil dog consulting kevin um is a he was a crash rescue a uh, firefighter who got paramedic qualified and then he's been a paramedic for 20 plus years in Florida, paramedic firefighter and understands uh, TCCC, how to teach it, uh, does that as a business um, that he's got, which is Devil Dog Consulting. And so uh, obviously after something like Vegas happens, um, there is a, you know, a higher priority, I think, that 
people are understanding that unfortunately these active shooter scenarios or these active shooter type situations are unfortunately becoming more commonplace. And I think there's a lot of different reasons behind it. Um, that would probably be another friggin' episode on the podcast, why this shit's happening and why we think it's happening. But uh, obviously medical is a big part of that. So we want to make sure uh, based off of our training and everything we experienced in combat um, and even back here in the United States is, uh, hey, people need to be prepared to treat a casualty based off of learning how to treat trauma. I think the number one consideration is a tourniquet. And people, oh, yeah. you know, there's there's two tourniquets we use. We use the CAT tourniquet by North American Rescue, which is the same tourniquet we used in combat for years. And then we use the RAT tourniquet, which is the rapid application tourniquet, which is um, a more controversial tourniquet, but I don't really care. It's a minimalist tourniquet. It's something that uh, anybody can carry on yeah. their person that stops bleeding. And the premise is a tourniquet, if applied, especially to the legs, because you have femoral arteries that run through your thighs and legs and your hips. If those are compromised, you have seconds. Yeah. Seconds, you know, max minutes to live because you'll bleed out. So right. you think about these people, it doesn't even have to be gunshot trauma. It could be an accident. Yeah. You know, you, you get, you compromise that in any uh, form or fashion and you're not going to see the bleed necessarily. It could be internal. Right. And then the next thing you know, the person's dead. And you're like, why are they dead? And, you know, it's it's bizarre to me because it was a common core task for us, even in the infantry, oh, yeah. to apply a tourniquet. Yeah. And we did it like a makeshift, right? We used a cravat and a stick. Yep. But people don't even know the application in well, life. They don't understand it. They yeah. don't even understand it. I mean, if you think about, if we probably did the numbers right now based off of active shooter scenarios and how many people die a year from those and how many people die from whatever kind of traumatic accident, whether it's a car crash, an accident with a fucking chainsaw or whatever, right? But the bottom line is, is having the ability uh, medically and understanding from a trauma aspect how to stop bleeding, the March algorithm that you talked about earlier, right? and how to do all of those things so you can actually keep somebody alive until you can get them to the right place uh, where a doctor can can deal with that. Yeah, it's it's common sense to me. If you're bleeding and blood's coming out of you, you you're on a timeline. Yeah. And so you need to stop your own bleeding or stop somebody else's bleeding by using pressure and cutting off the bleed. Exactly. So, you know, the for as an educational point, you know, we're going to do this for the tribe we're going to send out a uh, a small tutorial, a couple minute tutorial on applying a tourniquet and applying a makeshift tourniquet. But the premise is you have a bleed in an appendage or a body part, arms, legs. You number one apply direct pressure. That's part of it, right? But the the next thing you do is, especially in a arterial bleed, which is hard, almost impossible to stop with pressure. Right. Um, you need to cut off the bleed in between the wound and the heart. Right. So if you, for example, if you have a compromising wound mid thigh, the tourniquet would go as high up on the thigh as possible. Right. Between your heart and the actual wound. Right. So that, that being the highest point, that's where you're going to apply it. Yep. And then, you know, people used to be concerned with, Hey, am I going to lose this yeah. arm or leg? Well, do you want to live or not? Exactly. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Yeah. And so, and they they've seen that you could have a, a, a you know tourniquet applied for hours, 
Yeah. And depending on a whole bunch of variables, obviously, it's not going to, uh, uh, you're not going to lose that limb. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is I actually have uh, one of the guys that I worked for in the past when I worked in a, uh, on the sniper committee in third special forces group. Uh, one of my old bosses is named Scott, uh, actually took a seven, six, two by 54 round in the upper shoulder, uh, in the arm, I think on the left side, because he was left-handed and then had to learn how to shoot right-handed after Ooh. that. Yeah. Um, but he was wounded and they tourniqueted high on the shoulder, believe it or not. And they actually, uh, his tourniquet, I, I forget what the time was, but it was on for hours prior to 24 the, hours, something crazy. Right. And, uh, and they medevaced him, got him to the cache, um, and then they were able to work on him. They saved his arm one, which, you know, it's still fucked up. And he, you know, he's got, he had compartmentalization syndrome and all that kind of shit where there was swelling. They cleaned it up, but he ended up keeping the arm. But the crazy thing was, is all the old stuff they used to teach about, you know, not getting blood to the extremity and that, you know, you were going to lose a limb and all that stuff. He was kind of a, an example of no, the tourniquet can stay on for a long time. And it's a case by case scenario, you know, so just interesting. And if anybody's interested in reading about what actually happened, uh, the contact that he was in or whatever, it was a battle of shock Valley, which happened in 2007, 2008 while we were all in Afghanistan. So it was one of the most highly decorated third special forces group teams. And he was a team. Was star. it Pittman on that? No, no, he wasn't. Okay, um, Yeah. This was a, a third battalion, third group team. But, uh, anyways, Oh, that's the dude who pinned their leg. John yeah, Wayne, John Wayne Walding and yeah. uh, a bunch of other guys that we know. Um, I was actually in Southern Afghanistan when that happened. And uh, pretty crazy stuff. But if you want to read about it, uh, you can Google Battle of Shock Valley. And there was a History Channel uh, documentary that was done about it. Interesting story. Anyways, we digress. But uh, so let's talk EDC. What uh, What do you think? Um, from... Are you asking me a question? That's that's weird. I know. Normally you Your ask. Shit's, you evolved, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I had somebody DM me on social media and they're like, you're getting better on the podcast, Ooh, bro. Shit. So I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. So no, but uh, I'm sure people want to know. And it's this is good, right? It all ties into modern survival. So everyday carry, basic stuff for EDC. What What do you think it is? So, you know, EDC, it, it's changed. You know, a lot of people, you know, EDC is a hashtag, number one. It's become like a popular culture thing where everybody shows off their EDC. Right. Which I think is cool because people, you know, you want to see what kind of people you are You see what there. people are carrying and what's what they're available. Carrying. Holsters, pistols, all that stuff. Exactly. You know, my EDC, I, I use a Glock 43. So do you. I was going to say something smart ass. I know what your EDC is. It's like a butt a butt plug, a thing of chew, and sorry. Vaseline. <laughs> Yeah, prefer a butt plug and <laughs> a chapstick full of lubiderm. What do you, Levi Garrett? Levi Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's changed over the years, and I think um, that's because you know I've learned more. I've, I've yeah. you know, it, what's weird is before I used to never carry tourniquets anywhere, and I did carry a tourniquet in my Jeep. My buddy got in a car accident before, and uh, that kind of changed my perspective on coming across accidents and always being prepared. Yeah. And I remember I carried a, a small kit, but on my person, I, I neglected that because people, we get lazy, man. Yeah. 
I, I think uh, Gorilla Outfitters makes that little EDC tray. Yeah. I think that's pretty smart because yeah, it gets cool. you focused. It gets you narrowly focused on what you're supposed to have. And it's like, it's something you can throw on a, a coffee table or something like that where you dump yeah. your EDC stuff. And then like before I roll, yeah, like I got my little section at the house, you know, basically yeah. my wife gets your pissed. real estate. Yeah. My wife gets pissed all the time because my office space is part of the, the uh, dining room table. Sweet. <laughs> but I have a corner on that dining room table where I keep your dildos and stuff yeah yeah exactly my butt plug my levi garrett <laughs> my kids don't think that's weird at all but no but uh you know uh i carry a glock 43 uh i can seal and um you know i carry a small sure what fire. holsters are you using so uh, a couple different holsters that i do like for everyday carry uh one of them is obviously uh trex or t-rex yep. uh, lucas's holsters I use um, those for full size guns. Yeah, so I've got well, I've got a Glock 19 that I carry occasionally, and uh, KM. It, uh, what? <laughs> no, the KMJ like or, or oh like, yeah yeah K or KMFJ is another KMFJ, one. Yeah, um, he makes some uh, some some good holsters, and then we also work with another company called Wicked Holsters. And by the way, none of these guys like we're not paid by anybody to say this or anything like that. These are just legitimate companies. We should be. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. No, but they're they're legit companies that make good gear. So, um, you know, I carry a Glock 43 typically uh, with a, a two round um, extender base plate on that magazine. That's so that gives me yeah. eight. Yeah. Um, I carry, you know, 124 grain Hornady hollow points, yep. um, which is just something that I have had and I like. Surefire, we use the V1. Right. The, v1. the Vampire um, is another one. Dude, that which... Vampire light, that's like my favorite light because it's, it's cool, like. cool, man. Dude, the coolest thing about the Vampire is I don't know how many halogens or like, you know, the nomenclature for halogens. Yeah. But this shit's super bright, but it's got like. I mean, it's got the IR setting. It's got the white, uh, whatever WH is. <laughs> I think that's white light, bro. White light. <laughs> uh, but it's got the IR setting, which is pretty cool because we're big US night vision nerds. <laughs> yeah. And so it's cool to have that. Kind we of like night kind of vision. It, yeah. it kind of helps uh, give you an advantage. I well, hear. we have the advantage. And it's funny, is like, you know, we'll do a, a podcast on it later, but. Nobody knows about that advantage. Right. Do you got a set of MBGs? And yeah, you can, I mean, dude. This is only for the good guys, though. If you're a bad guy, listen to this. Don't go listen fuck to this yourself. Part. Yeah, go yeah. fuck yourself. So basics of EDC right now, we're saying a firearm, right? To protect yourself and yeah. your family. A light. A light source, a white light source, right? If you have an IR capability, hey, that's cool. Um, tourniquet. Yeah. And then another one, right? A tourniquet. We already talked about it when we addressed some of the medical stuff and what we think about it. So the basics right now or firearm, light, white light source, and a tourniquet. And I, I, you know, is I there anything a, else you knife? I use a knife. knife. Okay, yeah. A, a, fold, a folder blade is is one of the. Uh, to me, I've always carried a folder blade. Like yeah. always. Like when back when we started in SF, I used to carry a Gerber Gator. Yeah, you know, Gator knife. Yeah, I got um, a cool story about that. I got to tell right now. Tell it. So I was in the. I was in Florida phase of ranger school and we were doing, After you know, go <laughs> third time for the record. I went straight through anyways. No big deal. Um, no, but, uh, but on a serious note, we were doing a static line parachute jump into Florida and I did my stupid little PLF, uh, as I landed on a shitty drop zone and I literally looked over and none other than a Gerber Gator was, uh, which if you don't know what a Gerber Gator is, it was a, a folder knife that Ger Gerber made. The rubber hand. Had and the yeah, rubber they, hand. everybody loved them. Like when we were in the infantry, like everybody wanted one of those. This fucking thing was extended, sticking in the sand like a punji stick. 
like literally four feet away from me where I did a PLF. Laid up? Yeah, bro. Like what's the I know. Somebody tried to set you up? <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. So anyways, what could have been catastrophic ended up with me getting a badass gator. Gerber gator in Florida phase ranger school. That's a big deal when you find that shit. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. Folders. I, I think another knife worth uh mentioning is a a knife of a uh I, I was fortunate enough to meet the owners and the guys that developed this this knife, but it's called the Colonel. And you've seen them, right? Yeah. BCM works with them and uh you know, another company that uh that our buddies have, Northern Red, uh are big with the Colonel blades. And uh as far as uh, practical application with this blade, it's a, it's an appendix carry blade that comes in a small Kydex holster. And uh, the, the neat thing about the blade, you could check these guys out on YouTube. The neat thing about the blade is that you appendix carry it and it draws just like a small handgun. And so the idea is basically that you've got about a four inch blade of steel. Um, it's not a folder or anything. It's a, you know, a solid piece of steel. And it's got, like I said, it draws like a pistol on the handle. And then you've got a four inch piece of steel off your knuckle. And the whole premise of the blade is like, hey, you don't have to do a lot of training with it because it's a natural. Yeah, it's a natural instinct, right? When you're protecting yourself to strike somebody. So this blade is set up. Uh, so when you strike someone, you've got a four inch piece of sharpened steel on the end of your knuckle uh, that's going to do, you know, some pretty serious damage. So that's another one worth mentioning. I use uh, two blades I use as folders. I use browse blades, which is cool because they have like these, I mean, super sharp, but they're super like small and long blades like the fin i can't right. know how to describe it man that's right knife <laughs> dudes are like you're an idiot yeah you're not a master yeah. blade smith it's no like a, we're not yeah we're fucking former soft 18 bravo fucking <laughs> knuckle dragon retard sometimes um, sorry yeah i sharpen that knife on a rock a lot and so that knife is pretty cool with frost blades folder but i use kingdom armory's folder as my primary it's got a cool clip on it it's it's a thick knife it's built like a uh a zero tolerance right knife but i don't like zero tolerance knives because they're i've had a couple uh blade issues with them oh hell uh sorry zero tolerance Philcraft <laughs> uh, legal uh draft oh. up a document <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah the only thing about the tourniquets is you know a lot of people don't want to tear, carry tourniquets because they're uh a little bit more bulky big. yeah mo big they're mo bigger mo bigger yeah so they don't know where to put them but you know that's why i like the rat tourniquet because you could yeah you get, number one, you could tie it up, and, sure, and it's cool because it's lanyard as well. It's a, it's a cordage, but you could also put it through your belt loop, yeah, and then tie it all through your belt loop, and then it's there. You don't have to really think about one it. One of the cooler things that I've seen with a cat tourniquet is actually, uh, I think it's a video Corman posted, and it was a, it was actually a shooting in Las Vegas where a suspect uh, presented a gun, and the uh, Las Vegas PD guys. Uh, hooked his ass up because that's what was coming to him mm -hmm. and they shot him and he was bleeding out and then they treated him but one thing you see in the video is a guy's running a, a cat tourniquet around his ankle so he's got his duty oh yeah remember yeah. that so yep. he's got his duty he gets hit yeah so well he so he takes the tourniquet off and actually treats the bad guy they just shot because he's fucking bleeding out mm. yeah exactly and uh but anyways so you know when you're looking at different ways to to wear your edc if you will um hey man like is it really that big of a deal to throw a cat tourniquet around your ankle or something and then throw your pants over the top of it i don't know something to think about but i used to use overseas when i did contract work i can't remember the name of the company i think it's actually really cool though um it's an ankle tactical ankle 
holster thing that has a place for a gun. So I used to put like a Glock 26 in it, yeah. a tourniquet, and then a Hypalon. Is uh, that why your left calf is so big? Well, you know, if you got cankles, <laughs> I can basically put body armor around my left yeah. ankle. <laughs> I got a JPC. And the other JPC. positive part about carrying it there is that you get a good leg workout. Yeah. It's like an extra five pounds. I of wear stuff. a VTAC belt <laughs> around my left ankle. <laughs> Sorry. We digress. Yeah. So the basics, though, for EDC, we think, right? I actually think when it comes to the basics, you know, for me, I like, hey, my Glock 43, a light source, which, you know, is that surefire vampire light, yeah. and then a tourniquet, which typically for me is a rat's uh, because it is easier to carry. However, uh, in both my wife's vehicle and my vehicles, I carry cat tourniquets, and all the shit that we got issued, chest seals, uh, gauze, all that kind of stuff, just because I like to be prepared. So yeah, and we sell rat tourniquets, and actually we sell cat tourniquets in our in our home med kit. So if you guys are interested, like yeah. don't source them from the those guys. Source them. From <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy our kits, damn it. Buy our kits. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point for EDC. Well, let's talk so, about. So yeah, so that was the basics, right? Yeah. Is a uh, some some way to def defend yourself with a weapon. Uh, med or a tourniquet or something like that and a white light source so super simple yeah. that's not super crazy it doesn't impede your everyday life right if you're trying to do the right thing so and a minimalist survival kit in your vehicle easily yeah we could we could talk tons about yeah. how all we have an episode stuff, on that stair steps into different elements of modern survival upgrading your situation yeah exactly always. let's talk about mindset mindset so i have a good one because a guy i think jokingly hit me up uh, and he's like, you know, he's like, what kind of a mindset do you guys teach in your courses? And I think first and foremost, I said, hey, we teach an aggressive mindset uh, because of our background, because I don't I don't think that because we're always angry. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think honestly, when you're in a situation like that and you and I have both been in shitty situations where we didn't know if we were going to make it or not. But, hey, you know, you've got to have like this uh, fighting spirit or this aggressive mindset that uh, is going to help carry you through whatever issue or um, stressful situation you're dealing with. And then the other part of that is, is, um, you know, I went on to describe how we describe how a stressful event can affect your mind or not necessarily your mindset, but your marksmanship, your decision making ability. And, you know, the bottom line is if you're not training for something like that, um, we've said this a million times, you're not going to rise to the occasion, you're going to rise to the level of your training. And if you don't have any training, the chances of your survival are severely degraded. Yeah, I don't think it's a lot of people think that aggressive mindset lends itself to like aggressive yeah, abandonment, like charging like, or charging up the fucking hill or regardless or running at the shooter in Vegas yeah. or something. You're like not that. unconscious in this process. You're conscious. And it's actually a deliberate process. It's a deliberate thinking you know, when we talk about warrior mindset, which you mentioned a lot, you know, we're talking about, number one, your resiliency to survive, right? This no quit attitude. So right. if you have a no quit attitude, you get shot in the leg. You're not sitting on the parade field holding your leg going, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die. I'm it's gonna over. It's done. Yeah. You get your ass up and you suck it up and you continue to move because you want to survive. You right. have this willingness to survive. And I think in survival, you know, we do a lot of analysis on survival and I talk, I reference this book all the time and I think it's one of the best ones, but John Leach's book on survival and it, survival psychology specifically, but he talks about this 1080-10, which I talk yeah, about ratio. In older episodes, but you know, 10% die because they suck 
80 percent you know are in and out of it because they can make the decision but 10 percent have the training the understanding and they make critical decisions it's about your ability to make critical decisions so if you're looking at it's interesting because you know i'll digress a little bit but the power of habit by charles duhigg d-u-h-i-g-g i'm learning a lot about the psychology of how our brain processes habits that we that become routine right and one of the things it talks about is how our brains are habitually designed for efficiency right so we learn a practice like brushing your teeth yeah it doesn't take conscious effort but the one advantage to that is when you're brushing your teeth you could do other things right you right. could free up your 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 brain to do other things but the one disadvantage is if you've learned the wrong habit then that habit becomes as somebody uh, described this morning and actually in a, in a meme uh, or an Instagram <laughs> post, it becomes your character right. because your character is developed of all your habits. Right. And so when I think about, you know, the mindset, if you have a mindset where daily you're challenged with something and your first thing, uh, your first reaction is to quit or to get yourself out of that situation because it's uncomfortable then you're creating this bad habit, right? This habit of like, oh, this sucks. I'm just, I'm not comfortable with this and I'm going to fucking get away from it. Oh yeah. Um, then you're creating the bad habits that lead to a horrible character, which I've literally witnessed in <laughs> men and women who, who, Ugh, you know, by sorry. no fault of their own are just I'm cackling. Over they're, here. they're fucking dude. They're built in this uh, habitual process of learning the bad habits. Like we teach on our uh, range, which is training scars that, potentially lead them to being a casualty and yeah, survive. Uh, it's catastrophic mindset. Right. Yeah. It's like a negative mindset. You're getting, yeah. I got deep there. We can always count on Mike to get deep. So deep, dude. Yeah. So no, deep. it's good. It's good though, right? Because I think uh, sometimes instructors have a hard time describing what mindset they teach. They know based off of their background in special operations, like what we learned. Um, but I'd like to think that Mike and I are bright enough to actually take you know, that mindset. Why are we laughing? <laughs> like, we looked at each other and laughed and I was like, I think, we're, <laughs> I think we're bright enough. I don't I know. Think, um, no, but to take that mindset that we, uh, you know, gained in special operations and then, you know, we've tweaked that a little bit, I think, for our civilian clients. So and so it makes sense, right? Because I'm not asking you to charge a goddamn a bunker and uh, throw a hand grenade and, you know, do all this heroic shit. We just want you to be able to think through something logically. And, you know, if you get away and survive, that's a good thing. If you have to fight, uh, understanding how to do that efficiently, you know, and, and making sure that that all those pieces tie together. So when you're presented with, you know, what would definitely and most probably be the most stressful situation of your life, that you can overcome it and and protect yourself and your family. You know, something you mentioned just, uh, just occurred to me is, uh, you know, mindset without skill set is, uh, you know, there's a direct correlation. I think they call that a philosopher. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a philosopher. If you have if you have the mindset and you're like, I'm the baddest motherfucker here, but you don't have the skill sets, then yeah. it only goes so far, right? Right, yeah. That's the beginning, but then you've got to tie it in with the skill it's a tie sets. In. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, well, that's what we teach. In mindset, you know, the, the best way to learn – or to to uh, exercise mindset and to get better at it is putting yourself in situations to grow, which right. is which comes with 
difficult times, difficult challenges physically and mentally. Right. Uh, you could be a crossfitter and you're doing hard wads because you're like a water. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm a badass and it sucks. And then you have this resiliency to push through. But I know for a fact, because I know a lot of well, CrossFit people, that it doesn't necessarily translate to everything. Because right. if you don't have the skill sets to back that up, then your mindset can only go so far. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's all good points. You know, the bottom line is that uh, it starts with mindset, and then it gets deeper than that with your actual skill sets and the uh, you know your abilities based off of how much you train, who you've learned from, right? Because there's some boobs out there for sure. Um, but uh, why do they call it boobs? Because boobs are cool things. <laughs> yeah, you're a boob. Like, yeah. oh, you mean I'm cool? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. That's that's what's one of my favorites. Um, no, but but you got to tie all this stuff in to actually be effective. So we teach all this. Uh, we happily do it uh, because we know that, you know, based off of our experience that a lot of people haven't been exposed to to learning all this stuff. So I just can't stop thinking about boobs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We digress. I said boob. Mike's over here with a fake boob. He's feeding <laughs> off the boob. No. Um, but anyways. Uh, so what tribe. Yeah, tribe. I thought we were going to talk about tribe. <laughs> what else? Guys, I did an outline this time to kind of stay on track. <laughs> what was I going to talk about? Mike has ADHD. So, um, no, but uh, we were going to talk about upcoming courses. So what upcoming courses do we have? Well, the coolest thing is next weekend we'll, we'll actually be teaching mindset in the assessment course, which yeah. is a whole bunch of young men and women who want to be who want to better themselves yeah. and want to be in special operations or the military or just civilians trying to improve their mindset. Yep. And we teach, we have a couple processes, which, you know, we've taught, talked about it a couple of them, but we won't spoil it. Um, but we got that coming up. And then after that, we got, so we've got Burnett, Texas this coming weekend yep. and that's the assessment course. And that's going to be the 13th to the 15th. And yep. then we've got a gunfighter pistol and a gunfighter carbine coming to Durango on the 28th and the 29th of yeah. October. So we're doing a local gig here. Yeah. Um, we'll be working that. And then and we then got November. November got... 25th and 26th. <laughs> is it 24th and 25th? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. 25th and 26th. This is what happens when you run a small business and you got like 8 million things going oh, on. <laughs> Check us out on the website and you can see the dates there, but we're running a gun, two gunfighter pistol courses based off of uh, pretty high demand in California. And we'll be doing that in series. They're California. sold out. They're so. sold out. Uh, so, you know, hit us up if you want some private training. We may hang out or something like that. We, we like to do that, too, because yeah. that's a good point. If you want to do private training, if you hit us up in conjunction with the other training that we're doing. Yeah, sometimes we're sense. able to leverage our relationships with the rain manage, range managers and stuff like that. Rain, rain man. man yeah. I feel like I'm I'm going 100 miles an hour. It's right that now, IPA but. you're drinking, bro. <laughs> Voodoo magic. Yeah. <laughs> so then this tribe concept. So we started this new well, tribe. Well, hold on. Thing. We've got one oh, more. Geez. December 2 and 3, oh, we're yeah. doing a gunfighter carbine. And then we're also doing active shooter and TCCC. In Texas, Burnett. Yeah. You know, we're, we like to cap Did you say in Texas, Burnett, <laughs> in Texas, Burnett, yeah. Burnett, Texas. Uh, one thing that we like to do is mention Reveille Ranch. Uh, a buddy of our Dan Edwards runs that is like, he's like the opso for there. Yeah. The ops officer. And he, uh, he set us up with that place, but that place is like all inclusive, everything yeah. you could do there. Tons of ranges, yeah. all kinds of, uh, different, uh, capability there for training. That for sure is going to be one of the training facilities that we use and we stick to yeah as well as you know shout out to series swat and series pd um they've you know graciously let us use our range 
They have. And uh, we use their wonderful range up in Ceres, uh, California. Yes, we do. Are you talking about trap shit now? No, book recommendations. Damn it. <laughs> well, you said some of it already. So yeah. one of the ones we're looking at right now, which uh, is Clifford Goes to Syria. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Somebody me about that. Dude, like, I get... write that. Thanks, by the way, because I get people, every time I say anything on Instagram now, I got people sounding off going, wow, you've learned how to read and all this. And I'm like, man, man. Good thing I got thick skin. Anyways, so yeah, the thick. book we're looking at is The Power of Habit, and it's by Charles Duhigg. Yeah, he's also the author of Good to Great, but I think it's a good book on... Uh, talking about how everything that we do in our lives is is trained honestly it's it's bizarre to even consider because it's it's an eye-opening book for trainers especially for us because you realize that our brains you know by design meant to be efficient but in that efficiency we lose a lot one of the biggest points that i'll bring up and this is for all the instructors and really for everybody who's who wants to get trained which is everybody uh, but <laughs> When you train something and make it muscle memory, which we you know we refer to as muscle memory in this book, it refers to it as a, as a habit. Right. You do it routinely without even realizing you're doing it. Yeah. If you develop a bad habit, meaning something that's unhealthy, you know, it could be mentally and physically unhealthy. That's what lends to uh, unhealthy lifestyles, which obviously lends to obesity. Yeah. All this. All this. The shit. second and third order effects of. Yeah. All that are really all built off of what you do in your daily routine. Right. The craziest thing about a habit is you don't think about it consciously, which the coolest thing is in training that allows you or affords you the ability to free up your mind to do other things. Right. And so that was the whole, that's one of the whole premises behind um, training period. Yeah, getting better trained, right? Yeah. Premise, uh, not premises, premise <laughs> about getting trained period is because when you train something, it frees it frees your brain brain up to free think and and just lastly, I got a message off of Instagram and the message was like, "Hey, we're doing active shooter protocol." Which mm -hmm. I have got to owe some the Oklahoma girl remind me. <laughs> um, but active shooter protocol and they had a protocol which was their standard operating doctrinal procedure was to put everybody like in a freezer, right? That was one of the things they did. Right. And they said that's the protocol. The problem with active shooter protocol is if you debilitate a individual's ability right. to free think, right. then you are impeding or potentially leading to a catastrophic event. Right. Because there's so many variables in active shooter, right? Well, what if the dude reads the SOP and goes, they're all going to the freezer? Or yeah, or he goes to the freezer, <laughs> period. <laughs> then you're setting them up for failure. So then, th then they do exactly what they're trained to do because we're like fucking rats in a maze, man. Right. I mean, we're trained conditionally. Yeah. So my boss told me to go in the freezer. Um, Wendy, there's a, there's a, a, I chose Wendy because it sounds like Wendy would be a fuck up in this situation. <laughs> Hey, Wendy, we need to get our asses out of here to save our life. No, the boss said go in the freezer. The active shooter is on this floor where the freezer is at. Let's go. I can't. That's what he told us to do. Yeah. Dude, that's what happens in stress. Right. Stress, we like to revert back to a protocol. Sure. The problem is habitually, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. You know, habitually. You like that? <laughs> habitually? Using so, all the big words. Yeah. Today. Read it. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's a good book, The Power of Habit. Awesome. And now we're on to the, the tribe. tribe. Uh, you. So, so, <laughs> I was filming a thing with Monster Energy. Uh, we are no the big deal. 
Kurt Busch, no big deal. Do a no donut for him. Yeah. Cool, cool dude. Cool, cool American and patriot and uh, hot-headed NASCAR driver. Woo. Good, good stuff. Woo. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> um, Woo. But one of the things uh, that I decided to do was this whole, if you text the word survival yeah. to 55498, and it's for everybody, text the word survival to 55498, you get our updates. Yep. Which are updates. Which are typically Mike sitting on the toilet talking yeah. to you. Yeah, no, yeah, just kidding. Writing inspirational quotes <laughs> on the shitter. That's typically yeah. me. But you get updates on mindset, updates on training, uh, upcoming training, discounts, all this stuff, you know? Right. And so this tribe thing that we talked about, which yeah. is, you know, it's based off the book, Sebastian Younger's tribe book, but something that we've always talked about, yeah. about our smaller community of modern survivalists who are like-minded, who have the same shared values. Yep. And it's something that we want to explore further, which is one, two ways that you can subscribe. One way is text survival to 55498, which yep. you're on an SMS phone message. And the other way is, is obviously through the website. When you go to www.fieldcraftsurvival.com, uh, there's a box that pops up that you can provide your email. And that is another way that we can pass information to you. <laughs> Pearl's like growling right now. What's she growling? <laughs> I don't know. I know. Um, but yeah, so uh, lastly, uh, we always say that like lastly, like we're gonna wrap something up. But anyways, we've got a couple other things to talk about, and one of so the that big, lastly, like yeah, third to lastly, yeah. third to lastly, uh, no, the tribe T-shirts are supposed to be back in stock today. So that was a really popular this week. Yeah, this week, um, tribe T-shirts back in stock. So keep an eye on the website. And uh, hey, we sold those really quickly. We're glad we're we're glad you guys liked them. We glad you liked them. <laughs> we're glad that everybody liked those. Uh, hey, it's not just something that um, we're asking you guys to wear. It's obviously something that we buy want. it and wear it. Buy it, wear it, and believe it. Um, it's important, you know. So for reasons why Mike and I talked about on you know the two separate podcasts we did on the book Tribe and what it meant to us and what it means to society. So check it out. Buy a T-shirt. It's cool. <laughs> That's a good plug. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got on that agenda? Um, I guess just the last thing is uh, how people can get a hold of us or if they want to communicate with us. Are we wrapping up right now? Yeah. Oh, dude, it's been like a long time. Yeah, this is a long one, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. what she said. <laughs> just like that's that, what, bro. That's what he said. <laughs> that's a long one, bro. <laughs> you know, you can reach us at philcraftsurvival.com, obviously. Uh, we did drop the minimalist med kit. There's we only a did. couple more in stock because we've sold a ton of them. Yeah. Just kidding. We only sold a couple. Well, you know, this is a. I'm gonna. I want to throw something in here just because it's actually crazy that this happened. But so Mike um, was out on the East Coast for a business trip, and we had ordered or we had already ordered a bunch of med supply stuff because we looked at the store and we're like, hey man, we need to get like med supply stuff back in uh, because we believe in that. And then obviously. Uh, you know, we want people to have the stuff that they need. So um, the crazy thing is Vegas happened. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally well, you as were- As I was flying, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was actually in you were, Yeah, you were in NC yeah. and we were already, or you were already working on getting that stuff updated in the store and all this stuff happened in Vegas. So anyways, um, we hope that, uh, you know, hey, if you're not getting stuff from us, get the stuff, you know, the EDC stuff at a minimum. And then, you know, we talk about it in other podcasts, upgrade your situation and make sure you've got the right medical kit to save yourself or your family. Jay Paisley with is another guy, North American Rescue. North American Rescue, Devil Dog Consulting Devil, as a leader yeah. kit. We have our minimalist kit. Right. There's lots of good companies out there, ex-special operations guys who 
aren't making shit and they're putting good things together for responsible citizens and people that obviously deserve to protect themselves and their families. Yeah, very important, man. You could check us out on social media uh, at Soft Survivor, at Philcraft Survival, and also Kurt's page, Kurt underscore Team Philcraft. And, you know, this podcast, uh, I wanted to remind you guys that, you know, if you guys don't have iTunes, hopefully you're listening to this to SoundCloud. We'll, we'll advertise that a little bit more. Yeah. So people are paying it. People are paying attention. <laughs> We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. That's right. And then Kurt will be doing the uh, calligraphy. <laughs> oh, here we go. The episodes. <laughs> uh, He's got to talk shit. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, today's not a good talking shit day. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's the content, bro. Yeah, it's like yeah. the real deal. It's, it's serious. Real. It is serious, man. Yeah, so we want to be serious it's about it. It's all good stuff. You know, it's, the coolest thing about uh, the future here in the next couple of weeks is you can't make it because you got family obligations, but I'll be in Oregon right, working with Lucas doing, you know, Lucas is a, he owns T-Rex arms, but he's a good dude. Yeah. Good patriot. You're going to have a bunch American. of good dudes there though. You're going to have, yeah. uh, you guys have probably seen on social media, there's Gray Hive training. Is he going uh, there? I yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll be there. So he, there's another guy that out of fifth special forces groups, super solid dude, bear solutions, check him out. Yep. And then uh, there's a bunch of other guys that are affiliated with uh, Lucas and T-Rex Arms, Trex Arms. Check those guys out. They're all solid. And yeah. they put out I'll good be there getting out shot by all of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Mike's a good shooter. No, I'm not. <laughs> all Anyways, right, guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Till next time, stay alert, stay alive.